this better? Yeah, you sound way better. You sound good. Thanks. You kind of got that husky voice going on. It's nine o'clock and the kids are down and I've got a glass of wine, so... <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. You're listening to Lead Them to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Lead Them to Life. This is the moment that you have been waiting for. Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the handsome hunk of humanity, Matt Leadham. And the crowd goes wild. I'm so glad to be here. Um, hey, sitting in for- our sitting in our living room. <laughs> Is this what you imagined coming on Lead Him to Life would look like? It's everything and more. I oh, guess. really? Mm-hmm. I'm so happy. Okay, well, this is technically take two because remember, was that in February or was- March? You came into the studio to record an episode. And the and the, what happened? The file was lost or something? I think it was sabotage. You didn't like what I had to say. I did so not you cut it. let it be known. I did not sabotage the file. It was lost, but I feel like it was Providence because this is the most quintessential perfect way I can think of to end season one of Lead Him to Life. We launched in January. Is that right? I'm not sure. Yeah. January. Yeah. You don't have the exact date marked in your calendar, Matt? No. We launched Lead Him to Life in January or February, something like that. And uh, my hope has been to kind of go with like maybe two seasons a year. So uh, uh, winter, spring, and a fall back into winter. Right? Am I missing a season? Summer. <laughs> <laughs> She's only had one glass of wine, folks, I promise. It's going to be fine. Okay, here's partly what happened. You guys, we went to Mass tonight. Are we ready to talk about this? Yeah, we need to. Okay, tell them how it went. Terrible. It was terrible. It was probably the worst that our children have behaved during Mass ever. Ever, ever, Mm -hmm. for sure. It was one of those moments where... Your, your kids are just screaming and you have this, do we just leave now or do we persevere, push through and try and make this better? We chose the latter half. And at the very end, Deacon stops us and goes, well, you guys survived that one. <laughs> you know it's bad when the Deacon, the kindest, most loving Deacon says, rough night, huh? You also know it's bad when starting at the Alleluia. I already am thinking through my head uh, responses I'm going to have to people when they say, why didn't you just go to the cry room? Or, you know, don't you think you should have taken your kids out of the church? Okay, can we have a real talk moment about this? I think most people don't actually, they're not actually frustrated. They're not actually annoyed. I think they're bored at mass and they're watching all of the sounds that are happening. And they don't mean to have the horrific, judgmental, rude, angry facial expression that's actually on their face. They don't mean that. They're not even thinking about that. They're just not paying attention and not realizing that that's how they're coming off. Because normally I don't feel all that judged. You know, like, normally I feel like we get a lot of reassuring smiles, that it's going to be fine, and, you know, hang in there, mom and dad. 
tonight was not one of those nights. And maybe that's our fault. But it was not good. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I I don't know. I I think there are certainly people who go to the Mass with the expectation that they're going to be able to have a prayerful, peaceful experience. and. For sure, some. But I think the majority, well, though the majority, yes, go in thinking that they're going to have the prayerful, peaceful experience. But I think the majority that look angry don't actually intend to look angry. No, I think deep down everybody understands. That deep down, way <laughs> deep down. That family life is hard. <laughs> and for me, I think, you know, it's the, the challenge is that if we want to raise up a church and a new generation of people, there's some... Uh, hospitality that we all need to reach um, that welcomes young families who are just trying to model the faith to their kids but with comes what comes with that is crying screaming babies every once in a while preach I totally agree I totally agree and we got to find the balance I get that there was a moment that we should have maybe <laughs> just left. You got to find your people in the pews who are yeah. going to like give you that little nod that uh, says it's time. Praise the Lord for Apollonia who sat next to us that just smiled with the sweetest, sweetest smile the whole time and was completely unfazed. And at the end, you had you had taken the girls out, but I apologized to her. Did I tell you this? Mm-hmm. I apologized to her and she said, oh, I love those children. <laughs> She's just the most joyful person ever. So... Uh, side note, one of my favorite um, moments, so the, probably the second most terrible that our kids have ever been in mass was when you were gone on retreat and I had them by myself and we went to the St. Joseph Bikita mass oh, at, at the, the cathedral. cathedral, which is the Sudanese mass. Yeah. And I'm sitting there trying to wrestle with the two girls and Maggie was pretty little at the time. And this woman who is in front of us, um, who must have been Sudanese, uh, and had like five kids with her and two slung on the hips and uh, like another bunch of kids in the pew kept turning and kind of looking at me and oh, eventually no. we got to this point where she turned around and she like set down one of the babies off of her hips and she like reached out and said do you want me to take one of you she did not <laughs> yeah. to take my things <laughs> and so I kind of like had a bucket up a little bit and- and uh, just do a better job. But. Moms are the best, though. They, moms are just the best. Okay, Matt, you've never actually been on the podcast before. Give us a little introduction. Tell us a few fun facts about you. Well, I feel like your listeners already know a lot. They probably about me, do. They but, probably do. But I. Uh, but to hear it from you is a different thing. Sure. Um, I am a father of two uh, girls, Magdalene and Claire. I'm a physical therapist at Avera. And I work with people who have neurological injuries and illnesses. So it's a little bit different than the typical. So when you say neurological, give some examples of what you mean by that. I mean, I see a lot of people who have Parkinson's disease and spinal cord injuries and stroke and things like that. So it's not your typical um, physical therapy that you might think of in terms of the knees and hips and ankles and things like that, that a lot of people kind of relate with my profession. Um, I would say I am. a uh, a hobbyateer. Yeah, a hobbyateer. That's a good word. Yeah, so I'm. It's not a real one, but it's a good one. We should yeah, make it a thing. I do. I have a lot of hobbies, and I'm the master of none of them. <laughs> uh, so I do a lot of different things. I like to do woodworking and hiking and camping, and I'm grateful for a wife that puts up with all of it. You kind of go through phases where you get deep into hobbies. Have you know? Do you know this about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm. I think that that goes with. 
my melancholic personality. I cannot believe I married a melancholic. That I get deep into hobbies and it lasts a very short time and then I move on. So I can do a lot of things um, poorly, I guess. See, I would actually argue the opposite. It's kind of impressive to me how well you can do a lot of things. Like, I can play a note on five different instruments. You can play five songs on ten different instruments. Like, you, when you commit to something, you are very determined to do it well or at least be able to do it competently enough, which I think is impressive. I fake it well, is what you're saying. I would say <laughs> that you fake it well. No, I'm serious. I think you do a lot of things well. I think you would work well. Like, a lot of the things that you've designed in our house you've done um, or made that I think are beautiful. Or gu- guitar, I think, is another good example. Have you always been that way? Nuh-uh. Yeah. Yes and no. I think my dad is that way. For sure. My dad kind of has this natural aptitude to be able to look at something and just figure it out. And I think that I acquired a lot of those skills from him. Um, that I'm kind of mechanically minded. I like to tinker with things and take them apart and figure out how they work and put them back together again. And so I think it kind of has always been that way. And um, some of those hobbies have stuck a little bit more than others. Yeah. I, th- I would agree. I mm-hmm. think that's true. Okay, so in this episode, our season finale of uh, the first season of Lead Them to Life, I just, the thing that kept on coming up for me is that this this whole podcast uh, has really been an extension of our marriage. You know, you made the comment earlier on that uh, your listeners might already know me a little bit because I do. I talk a lot about you. I talk a lot about our marriage and our family. Um and I just wanted to to spend kind of this last episode of season one talking about mission and the things that uh, each and every one of us are passionate about and the things that I think God has kind of like put on our on our hearts to do in the world. Um, for us, we have had a lot of conversations about what is the mission of our family and kind of what what we are currently working on have not perfected but are currently working on to further that mission in regard to our community and the culture and all of those kinds of things goal setting which is a big thing for you um i'm working on it being a big thing for me so maybe a starting point would be when was the first time that you remember thinking in our marriage what is our particular call or what is our particular mission and how do we want to live that out? Was that something that was present for you during our engagement? Was it something that was present for you in our first year of marriage? When did it, when did you start kind of asking that question? What is our mission as a, as a couple? Well, I don't know. I think it's always kind of been a focus of our relationship is that we, maybe in a surprising way, like I think you have a degree in Catholic studies and you work for the church. And so maybe I've heard you say this before that you had an expectation that you would marry somebody who like had a formal education and, and had a thorough understanding of the liturgy and the rites. Of oh, the totally. I thought I would, I thought stuff. I would marry an ex seminarian for yeah. sure. And I am <laughs> not that way. Uh, I'm striving to be more that way, but I think, um, my formation was largely out of, experience of service and um, a deepening desire to understand 
my relationship with God through people. And so I think that in some ways, kind of those things have overlapped, like our desire for community, our desire to serve people in a unique way, you know, like through your podcast or me through my job, um, that we've found a really cool mission-focused way to marry those interests um, mm-hmm. and continue to invest in that those types of things throughout the course of our marriage. And it's evolving. Like, I would say that our mission early on in our dating and in our marriage will looked very different than it does now. Like, there was a time where we were both very invested in time with youth ministry things. Yeah, with high school kids. Yeah, high school yeah. kids and, and, and involved with leading um, discipleship groups and things like that. And then over time, I think that kind of, that desire is, has shifted towards other things um, as our... Yeah, as, as we've discerned God's will for our marriage and our mission together, and we've set goals um, to help align mm-hmm. that, our, our family life with that mm-hmm. in that way. So I think one of the things that's really been important to us is this desire to share in each other's passions and missions. And I'm curious for you, I don't know that I've ever actually asked you this before, how do you feel like I have participated in your passions, particularly in your in your um, love of adaptive um, sports and adaptive healing, that kind of thing. And how do you feel like you've participated in my mission, uh, particularly in regard to just bringing forward stories and real life witness to what it means to be human? Well, I think. I did not prep you for these questions. No, that's okay. You're doing th- great. Thanks. Uh, I think that the probably the biggest way that you have supported me in my mission is just by showing up. And I go to all the things. Yeah, you go to all the things. So through my work, I work with a lot of people who have experienced trauma in their life and have had disabilities and lifelong chronic illnesses and things like that. And we, I'm really lucky. Um, I work with a great group of people who... Uh, I think live the mission of service to that particular group of people. Um, And so we get to do a lot of things outside of the clinic too. You know, we get together and it's very much a community of people. And there've been a number of opportunities where you've gotten invited into that and you get to see um, kind of the world that I live in and experience it in a very personal way. And I've heard from you. They're no longer names. They're real people. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I've heard from you a number of times that that can be really challenging um, because you don't have necessarily the relationship with these people that I do. And so you're kind of walking in and you're seeing all these stories and hearing from these people, yeah, Yeah, all these, these really difficult things. Um, but you show up and like you're present and, and even if it's weighing on you or it's challenging, you're always there. And I think that's something that we've learned, um, to lean on each other in is just to like to recreate together to be together uh you know I go where you go kind of thing Mm -hmm. where you are an extension of me and the mission that I'm serving and I try to be an extension of you and the mission that you're serving but that requires something of us so even if it's hard for you um or if it's not something that you get excited about and vice versa like just showing up and being present and and, and trying to understand it in a way so you can help serve it through the way that I'm serving it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would say on the flip side of that, the way that I've served 
your mission. And I guess we could talk specifically about this podcast. If As an example, yeah. Yeah, if we're, um, if this is a season finale, it's good to <laughs> recap a couple things. Yeah. But I feel like over the last 30 episodes, I've had a number of people, patients or other listeners, who have stopped me to say... Your patients say stuff to you, don't they? Yeah, all the time. I love that. Who have stopped me and made comments about a particular episode um, or about you know your role and your job and, and the podcast. Uh, and I feel very much like I'm part of you in that, in this, I guess. And so even though I wouldn't say that the podcast itself has affected or changed my life in like a very outward way, like it has in an in, inward way and in that I feel a sense of pride for you and the work that you're doing. And I feel very much connected to the mission um, that's the that's the main focus of of what you're doing. Is it ever difficult for you to feel like um, our marriage is out there? For sure. I think it was in the I don't even it might have been before we got married or it might have been early on in our marriage. We had a conversation about how I think Father Joe, your spiritual director, had recommended to you that I need to get a spiritual director too. Because he said, just the fact that you're married to somebody who works for the church, who's serving a very outward mission, means that I'm susceptible um, to, you know, all the things too. And that I need to be um, equipping myself to... uh, um, to be able to encounter those things and to um, to respond when those challenges occur because they do and there's there's a vulnerability that's required when you're putting yourself out there and even if I'm not doing it if I'm not on the podcast every week I feel like people know me through you and the way that you talk about our marriage and and yeah sometimes it's hard sometimes it's really hard but there's also a, a vulnerability I think that um helps us to grow together in our mission because we because it's out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we have this conversation often. There's a time and a place for the right vulnerability. It's the right vulnerability at the right time. And that's been something that I think we have um, found a lot of joy in, uh, in that we've got a really close group of friends that we're kind of really walking with. And then we have... Um, just yeah, the the different dynamics in the in the um, the podcast or writing articles or um, whatever that offers a different level of vulnerability or honesty or whatever. Um, and so I think kind of navigating those different levels and those people that can really call us on and challenge us. And then yeah, there's just different levels of vulnerability, which I think is wise. And I and I. I guess the only reason that I pull that out is because sometimes when we talk about vulnerability, there's this temptation to think that we need to be vulnerable all the time with everyone at deep, deep, deep depths. And I don't know that that's the right answer. There's a protection of our marriage, yeah. I guess, is what I Yeah, there's definitely is, things is what I feel. that I share with you that I'm not going to share here. <laughs> <laughs> and there's things that I share with you and I also share with some of my close friends that I think are very appropriate there. But, um, you know, there's... There's just different levels, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to know, is there an episode or three that stand out to you uh, from season one? Hmm. I think the first one that comes to mind is your episode with Deacon Keating. Oh, so good. 
And the reason it stands out is because I think that he has a way of just offering some practicality um, to his teaching that I found really helpful. So he talked a lot about pursuing intimacy in marriage and having to be attentive to um, the little openings or opportunities to seek greater intimacy in your marriage. And I've really, I think, taken that to heart um, since listening to the mm-hmm. podcast. Happy Hour, A Marriage Saver, I think is what that one was called, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, just just the idea that intimacy isn't something that passively happens in marriage, that it doesn't just over time grow, but that it's something that has to be sought after. And so you have to look for those small, subtle opportunities to open kind of into the void or to, or to cross the veil into a greater depth of intimacy in your marriage. And then also he recommended, you know, setting up some real practical um, ways, some real practical actions towards achieving that, you know, mm. like for him, it was a happy hour every day with his wife kind of thing, taking 15 or 20 minutes where they can just invest in each other and actually be present. And for other people, it might look different. It might be a different thing. Do you feel like we found our thing? I think we have a lot of different things in different seasons. Yeah, I would agree. Summertime is different than than winter time, even yeah. like literally seasonal, yeah. seasonal. Where we might sit in the three seasons room a lot more during the summer and have a cup of coffee. Yeah, and talk about what is your day going to look like, kind of yeah. thing, and just that way we're on the same page as we go throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and in the winter time, it might be something completely different, mm-hmm. but. I think that it's that it's not so much the what it is as it is the intentional time. Yeah. Um, and choosing to take 15 minutes each day to invest in each other. We have good friends that I talk often about how I just so admire the way that they're intentional with their time and with each other that they'll. We're talking about the Schmitz. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, they're just it's really inspiring the way that they'll say, you know, I know this weekend we need to invest in each other, and so we're gonna. Um, send the kids with my parents for a night away while we take a little bit of time to just kind of refocus and recenter so we can um, grow together in our mission for our family. In our mission, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, so I'd say the Deacon Keating episode for sure. Um, I think that your episode with Megan Krieger, this last episode about NFP, was just really convicting because I think it hit a lot of the feelings that I feel, both the frustrations and all the also the joys with NFP. Yeah, real life. Um, that uh, it was a nice reminder of you know, why are we doing this? And um, and also to know that we're in a community of people that are also struggling with the same kind of yeah. struggles. And so it's not like we're the only people who are dealing with the hard parts. Um, and a reminder of there are lots of good parts too that, yeah. um, that we need yeah. you know, it for. Yeah, yeah. And then a third... Um, Oh, I would probably say your episode with Father Tyler, just mm. about being joyful and finding play in life. And because I think that's something that's been really important for us in our marriage mm-hmm. is we've talked a lot about a mission towards adventure um, and creating opportunities for our family to kind of experience the world. I think that's something that's been big for me in my own formation is I experience God so much through the world, you know, through other people and my relationships at work and with my patients but also just in this um just in this the beauty and the observation of the way that the world has been created and that we're created as humans and the 
amazing intricacies that are involved with it and the awe and wonder that God created that as a gift for us. I feel like you studying anatomy in college was like a conversion experience for you. It absolutely was. You were like, this is incredible. How did this happen? (laughs) And it's like, it's hard for me to, to, to understand how people can see how well it works as often as it works, even despite things that go wrong. Yeah. And say that it wasn't designed. Yeah. You know, totally. Totally. You Mm -hmm. want to know mine? Yeah. Okay. For sure. Father Tyler's the antidote to Vera's play, Um, especially for a time such as this. I think what has happened since the the start, you know, when we talk about February, man, that feels like a long, 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 long time ago. Right. And COVID and, and all of the stuff, like there's been, even just for me at work, you at work, there's been so many changes. Um, and a lot of fear has come up in me. So, so the invitation to play, I think really resonated deeply, um, with me for sure. And part, part and, I, and we're going to come back to this cause I'm going to ask you about goal setting and creating culture as a family. And I think that's a huge part of it, um, is play and how do we play together well. Um, that was a big one for me. Um, the one that I had a lot of fun, two that I had a lot of fun recording were, um, Hey Mama and The World Needs Dads with my folks, just because it, I'm just so grateful to have a recording of that conversation. And, uh, my friend Joan reminded me of that after they came out. She said, in 10 years, what a gift. In 15 years, in 25 years, what a gift to be able to have that recording of that conversation. Um, and it just was a really beautiful thing for me personally. And I think in honest ways as well, just the reality of family life. And, but through my lens as a child instead of as a mom, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and number three, man, I can only pick three. Um, the, what what was it called? What was my one with Mara called? Um, sexuality, let's go there. Intimacy, intimacy, let's go there. Um, I got so many comments from that episode because it's just such an integral part, right? Of marriage and of relationship and, I think there's not a lot of places that are talking about it in a light or through the le- through a comprehensive lens. So um, it, that one was a really, really fun episode for me because it's such an integral part of marriage. And I thought Mara did an extraordinary job of just protecting her own marriage while at the same time kind of bearing witness to the honesty of how do we do this well. Um, so yeah. I thought that one was, I thought that one was really good. Um, the other one that comes to mind is with Jeremy Sorensen about finances, because that was one that really came out of our, our marriage and Mm -hmm. our desire to have conversations about kind of our goals for our families. So what would you say you are the goal setter in our family? Praise the Lord, because (laughs) I am not, I like, I literally would lose our goals, Matt, if it weren't for you. What? If it weren't for me taping them to the wall you in our bathroom. You literally taped them. <laughs> okay. Real talk real quick. Matt literally taped them to the wall in front of the ba- in front of the toilet so that every time we sat down, <laughs> we had to look at our goals for the year. Which, by the way, my goal to lose 15 pounds has not gone well in quarantine. I've Well, I've also gained the COVID-19, so you don't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> 
It's no, fine. Okay, so goal setting. I think Why is, is that important to you? Yeah, it's an important... Well, one, it's a huge part of what I do um, as a physical therapist. The thing I love most about my job is I get to meet these people who've had this trauma or experienced this life-changing diagnosis, and I get to set goals with them and figure out what it is um, that they want to get back to doing and find a way to hopefully help them get back to doing that. Um but I also think that Can it's, I just pause you really quick? Mm-hmm. That was a game changer for me when you said that to me because you mentioned earlier how it's been so difficult for me. I mean, I I remember saying to you, I have no idea how you do what you do because I would walk away wrecked at the end of my workday. And you said, I get to help people. You were actually like kind of perplexed why that would be so hard for me. And you said, I get to... Sorry, it makes me emotional. But you said, I get to help people get back to doing the things that they love. I was like, oh my gosh, talk about mission, you know? Yeah. Okay, continue. But it's so true. Like, and I think that goes for family life too. Like we, a couple of years ago, we started this tradition of once or twice a year, you and I go on a weekend away and we have a family, we have a family board <laughs> meeting, um, family board meeting where we just say, this is our time to talk about where are we at as a family and where do we want to be, you know, in six months kind yep. of thing. And then we take that car ride back usually to set some goals and we have categories and yeah we have categories and and to really set tangible achievable attainable goals uh, that we will work towards and i feel like that Do you remember is remember our categories off the top of your head yeah it's the pillars of formation spiritual, spiritual intellectual physical and we added financial i think and financial yeah i feel like there was five there might have been another one in there i but. can't remember but I feel like that has been a way that's been helpful for me to know that we're moving in a direction towards something. And it's helpful in achieving any lifestyle change. You know, mm-hmm. we, we can talk very abstractly like I want to be holy or I want to be able to send our kids to college and help support them financially or, you know, whatever. Insert thing there. Um, but unless we're actually moving that desire to action it's never going to happen uh, or you know it's only going to happen if we're lucky and things kind of align um, counting on it <laughs> yeah. um, but by setting those goals I feel like we can very tangibly move towards action and uh, achieving them and so that's been a big thing I think that's something I work with a lot of my patients on um, and it's something that is such an easy way uh, to grow towards whatever your mission is in a family. So for us, you know, we set those different categories and we set specific goals within that of, you know, a financial desire. We got to work towards a, you know, an anniversary vacation or something like that. Okay, well, what are the steps we're actually taking towards towards that? Yeah. Or I want to grow in holiness. What are the steps we're actually taking towards increasing sacramental life for our family life? Like yeah. this, I think, has been really helpful. Praying together or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like... You know, we got in the habit this summer. It, it should be more of a habit, but we got in a bit of a habit of riding our bikes up to confession, and the girls play at the playground with you while I go to confession, and then we flip flop. And like that's been a really cool way to kind of increase the our sacramental life as a family, um, and it's an integrated thing that. We and can also, do. our desire to be an active family. Yeah. Like. Two goals in one, babe. We're killing yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. What's... But I, th- I think there's a lot of value towards like writing those things down and revisiting yeah. them periodically. So I think there was a six month period, if it wasn't a year, where I pulled up our goals and I said, 
Oh boy. <laughs> we haven't we haven't achieved a single one of these. But you know what? Real They're life. all still good goals. So we're just going to keep them on the We're going to keep them. And I'm going to print it and we're going to look yeah. at it a little more regularly. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, what about the goal of our family culture? That's one goal that I feel like we are... I wish I was a little more attentive to the rest of them. But I feel like that's one goal that we're pretty attentive to. Do you want to talk a little bit about... And and you've really driven this. Like, as the dad of our household, you have driven family culture. Well, and I think that there's... You know, I think moms rule the world, but there is an importance... Yeah, let's say that again. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that there is is some, like, spiritual uh, reality to the importance of a dad kind of directing the family in some way and, you act, and have being power, involved in that. Man. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, we, especially with our girls there, I it came to a very real, uh, moment for me recently where I corrected Claire on something and then you corrected Claire on something, the same thing. And it was so, so clear to me that dads have power and authority. Uh, and that's not dismissing my role as mom. I think I have a huge huge role as a mom uh, but it became very clear to me that's been something that I think I've had to work on not to get too far onto a side tangent but tangent away babe like there is a I think that especially early on in our marriage I would defer to you on a lot of things like I'm an overly strong personality well you're a strong personality but (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) that's a good thing Um, but also like you have a degree in Catholic studies and you work for the church and so there's this temptation in me to say you know what you can lead prayer for our family tonight or and I think there's definitely times when you do that and it's and I love it and it's um, a really good thing but there's also I need to step up and um, help lead my family in the spiritual life too a man you have Um, and then like you said in our um, kind of our mission as a family and our family culture which is really to involve uh, established community. Like we want to be feeding other people and also be fed by other people. And that's been really important to us to adventure well together and to seek opportunities for our girls to experience God through nature and the world and other people and relationships, um, to have a holy and sacramental life, um, and to, you know, experience, yeah, Christ in the world. Um, and, and to understand identity uh, as a child of God in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. I'm just reflecting on the ways that you lead us, and it's very interesting to me because you're an introvert. You're a bit more quiet. <laughs> you're a bit more quiet. Where I'm like, let's go say something. You tend to uh, be more reserved, or let's watch and see. Uh, but I just am thinking about. Man, it was a couple months ago. I was coming up on a huge event, and I just was not myself. I felt, I felt off, and um, and and finally, I was like, I think I'm under like real spiritual attack. Like there is, God is real, and so is the other side, and there is they are fighting for me, <laughs> fighting for me right now. It was so it it took me a while, and I and do you remember your response? 
I said, yeah, I know. Yeah, you said, yeah, I know. And I was like, what? You know? Why didn't you tell me? And and you said, like, I've been I've been worrying for you. That's not a word, but... Um, I'm praying against it. I've been praying yeah. against this for you. And it was so soothing to me. And then being able to name it, it almost... Um, it almost just ceased to be a thing because I could kind of surrender it to you, to well, your... Yeah, and that's part, your of, that's part of, I think, a mission-focused marriage, too, yeah. is the recognition that, yeah, this is something I feel passionate about and I'm pursuing, but that I can't do it on my own. Yeah. And that I need that community and I need my spouse um, to to back me up, you know, yeah. and, and to give me the insights that maybe I'm naive to see or that um, I am unable to see at the moment yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, I could talk to you all night. I've got two more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, going we back get to talk to, all night. I know, aren't we so lucky? <laughs> um, going back to family culture, I think every family has kind of their thing, right? That they love to do and that they find great joy in. Why is you mentioned camping, hiking? Etc. Why is that your thing for our family? And why, and quite frankly, it's becoming my thing. Who would have thought? <laughs> uh, your dreams are coming true. They are coming true. I'm so lucky. Uh, but I I think that, for one, it's it's it was a part of my upbringing. And I think there's a lot of, I saw the good in it and the things that it did for my family. And so I want to, instill that for my kids too, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. But two, I think that a huge part of my conversion in my faith has come through just a recognition of how small we are in the world and how much of the world exists for our benefit, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just a gift from God. And that, that really is kind of opened my eyes is made me woke. I think that's what the kids say these days. <laughs> that's what the kids are calling it. <laughs> uh, to the reality that like God is so big that he created this world and he created it for us. And so I think camping and adventuring and like pursuing different cultural experiences um, is a good way to do that and to see and to experience the way that God works in the world. And... Um, but that you don't need that either. Like that's one way that we really have been invigorated uh, in our faith as a family. But I think for other people, that might be something completely different. Mm-hmm. You know? It might be game night, or yeah. it might be yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Well, and without fail, you always, whenever we go for a hike or something like that, <laughs> you you uh, graciously share your uh, analogy of. Hiking is like life. If you're looking down, watching where you're stepping all the time, you're going to miss the view. Mm-hmm. And you just got to look up. You got to see what's going on, see a bigger picture, and um, and it pulls you out of yourself. Yeah. Totally. For sure. And that's what I think those experiences do for me is there's it's it pulls us out of, it pulls me out of myself and it creates an experience for our family that I can go back to and say, you know, this was such a gift. Um, and it was such a joy and I want to continue to take time to pull our family away and invest in us 
so that we can go out and serve the mission even better. It's almost like a retreat. Yeah. Whoa. That's, it really is a retreat for you. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just, things just clicked in my brain. Because yeah. I can, I can, camping, I can get behind. Hiking has been harder for me. I would consider myself an emotional hiker. Would you agree? Yeah, there's lots of ups and downs. There's a lot of ups and downs <laughs> where there's moments where I'm like, this is great. Let's go another 10 miles. And then there's moments where I'm like, I'm ready to die. Can I share with your listeners my favorite you hiking story? Yeah. I made Emily I go to the Black Hills with me when she was like eight and a half months pregnant. I was so pregnant. And we went down to Custer State Park and we're hiking <laughs> through the needles. And she said, okay, I'm going to do this hike with you, but you have to promise that... If I say we're going to turn around, then we just turn around and we go back. Yeah. And so we got like, (laughs) we got a little, quite a ways back in there. You're doing great. Thank you. And you said, okay, I need to sit down. I don't think we can go any further kind of thing. And all of a sudden this woman walked by and she says, look at you, girl. I couldn't walk up my driveway without getting shorter breath. (laughs) And she left. And you looked at me and said, I think we can go just a little bit further. I was so encouraged. I was like, yeah, I can. I'm hiking and I'm pregnant. I've got this. I'm very socially motivated. You wonder where Claire gets it. It's for sure for me. Okay, are you ready for your last question? Yes, hit me. Every guest that comes on Lead Them to Life, I ask, what's a question that you have been pondering? And this really comes from us and, um, yeah, us asking each other kind of those, those hard questions to probe our hearts and our lives and to figure out the ways that, uh, God's maybe inviting us to grow and all the things. So I want to know, Matt Leadum, you handsome hunk of humanity. Is there a question? (laughs) Do you hate that? No. Do you like it? Sometimes. (laughs) Is there a question that you've been pondering? I think you know what my question's going to be. Is it going to be the stupid one? Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm ready. Go ahead. It's a good, it's it's is, a stupid, but it's a really interesting. I've been thinking <laughs> about this for a long time. Like, before I know, before I knew yeah. you, for sure. And my question is, what would chairs look like <laughs> if our knees bent the opposite way? What would happen? What would it look like? Would you have to have new tables? At least to all the... <laughs> I thought you weren't supposed to answer your own question. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, it's just leading me to greater questions. Mm-hmm. And how would you walk if our knees pinned the opposite way? I know how we'd walk. Like, like flamingos. I thought giraffes were the ones that need their... No, no. It's flamingos. I knew that. <laughs> Matt, good question. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure, yeah. Friends, thank you so much for listening to season one of Lead Him to Life. I hope that you have laughed with us along the way. I hope that you have been inspired to dive a little deeper into what it means to be fully human, fully alive, authentically human. And um, yeah, if you've missed any episode from this season, I definitely encourage you to go back and check it out. Um, We will be back starting September 1st. We're going to take one month off um, to just pray and look at what season two is going to look like. But I would love it if you would share season one with a friend. uh, And like I said, go back, maybe revisit some of those episodes that really stirred something in you. Uh, And I hope that it it drives you deeper into your relationships, your friendships, um, those that are closest in your life, uh, and that it makes you ask a few more questions about what it means to be fully human. Friends, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in season two.